0: The end or just the beginning? Well, hopefully that's the end of the bad jokes. But when we talk about end times, we're not just talking about what's going to end. We're also talking about what's going to begin because the end of time begins the beginning of eternity. And we've been asking what will happen walking through the book of Revelation. Last week in Revelation uh, we saw how John ate the scroll and it was sweet in his mouth but it turned sour in his stomach and it's sweet to know the the book of Revelation and what God intends to do but when we find out the judgment that's coming to those who reject Jesus around us it's hard to, to get excited about that in fact we can't rejoice in that and it makes us sick physically the prophecy becomes bitter becomes sour to us And we prayed last week, may the the Lord lay someone on our hearts and burden us for lost souls because this is serious business. This is not just, oh, you're going to have a bad day. This is, it's over for you. Like eternity in hell. And none of us want anybody to spend eternity there. And so my prayer has been, Lord, I don't want to miss a moment. We heard in, in, in Dream Team meeting this morning one of the testimonies of one of our Dream Teamers who said, Lord, I don't, I don't want to miss anything. And God, in giant, gave some answers to prayer and allowed him to minister to someone else. And whew, it, it, wow, powerful testimony. We need to get that on, on tape so we can share that. Amen. So, Lord, use me. Use me, Jesus. I want to be used. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to miss anything that you have for me. Did you know that there are some 45 billion with a B billion dollars? 45 billion dollars has been left unused on gift cards in America. That's quite a bit of money, I'd say, that's just sitting there not being accessed or enjoyed. And I'm, I'm wondering what do we have available to us that we're not accessing? What's just sitting in the drawer of Scripture? What's just sitting in the promises of God that we're not accessing and using? Let's use every resource we have available. Church, come on. Amen. Revelation chapter 11. John says, then I was given a measuring stick and as, and as, and I was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the number of worshipers. Now this tells us that the temple is going to be rebuilt probably during the tribulation period when the antichrist makes a covenant with the people and then breaks that covenant in the middle of the seven years. Uh, he'll then come to the temple and stand in the holy of holies, declare that he's God, demand to be worshipped as God, and and the focus is and has been and always will be on the holy land. Isn't it interesting that this small parcel of land has so much controversy and is in the news almost every day? Isn't that interesting? There's always a fight going on. Verse 2, But do not measure the outer courtyard, for it has been turned over to the nations. They will trample the holy city for 42 months, three and a half years. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will be clothed in burlap and will prophesy during those 1260 days, three and a half years of the end of the great tribulation. And these two prophets are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of all the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire flashes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. You ever want to do that? I, I just think that's cool. This is how anyone who tries to harm them must die. They have power to shut up the sky so that no rain will fall for as long as they prophesy, for three and a half years. And they have the power to turn the rivers and oceans into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. Now imagine no rain for three and a half years on the earth. What kind of drought would that create? Just like in Elijah's day, he called fire down from heaven. He prophesied no rain for three and a half years. These two prophets could be Elijah and Moses, the law and the prophets, the fire and the plagues. We don't know. Verse 7 says, when they complete their testimony, somebody say complete, the beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit will declare war against them and he will conquer them and kill them. Or this could be Enoch and Elijah. Elijah. Because both of them missed their appointment with death. And the scripture tells us it is appointed unto every man to die. We all have an appointment with death. Every human being has an appointment with death. The scripture says after that judgment. We're going to be judged according to what we've done. Choices we've made. And here we've got two prophets and it could be Enoch and Elijah. Enoch was taken up. He just disappeared. God said, all right, come on, you're done, done with you. And, and he, Elijah was taken up in the, in the chariot of fire, right? And now they're having their appointment with death. I don't know, just a thought. Thought I'd toss that out there. Okay. Verse 7, when they complete their testimony then they're allowed to be killed. I believe that God has control of our lives when we commit them to him. And he has a special task for us to fulfill, and he will preserve us until that task is finished. I mean, you may have a brush with death, but the enemy can't take you out until God's finished with you. Sorry, not my time yet. There's divine protection around you until you have completed your testimony. Back in 2013, almost five years ago now, it was five, five and a half years ago, I had a heart attack. Enemy tried to take me out. Doctor told me, we shouldn't be having this conversation, we should be having your funeral. This is what we call the widowmaker. You had a 100 percent blockage in that artery. He said, "People don't live through that." I'm like, God ain't finished with me yet. And so I got a job to do. My task has not yet been completed. And so here we are, five and a half years later, still preaching the gospel, people still getting saved, giving their lives to Jesus. People are being healed and miraculously transformed. Why? Because I'm not done yet. Now when my job is completed, I'll be out of here. No big deal. I don't care. If I live, I win. If I die, I win. I win. Same thing happened with Christy. Tongue cancer. Devil tried to shut her up. (laughs) <laughs> are you kidding me yeah no not 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 today sorry not any day not until god's done and she's completed her testimony amen look at your neighbor and say come on come on come on let's go God's not done with you yet because you're still here breathing. Come on, tell him that. You're still breathing. God's not done with you yet. Come on. God's not done with you yet. You're still breathing. You got a job to do. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 8. And their bodies will lie in the main street of Jerusalem, the city that is figuratively... Boy. Boy. The, the city that is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, the city where their Lord was crucified, and for three and a half days all peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will stare at their bodies. Now, years ago this was impossible. How could everybody see them at the same time? Now we got satellites and internet and worldwide web and And here we are all of a sudden realizing this is very simple. No one will be allowed to bury them. All the people who belong to this world will gloat over them and give presents to each other to celebrate the death of the two prophets who had tormented them. And here you've got a huge worldwide party because the guys that created all the problems are dead and the Antichrist becomes the hero. I told you these guys are bad news and blah, blah, blah. But, verse 11, after three and a half days, God breathed life into them, and they stood up. (laughs) We're back. And terror struck all who were staring at them. I can imagine. Then a loud voice from heaven. I want you to notice how many times loud voice, loud shouting is in Revelation a loud voice from heaven called to the two prophets, come up here. And they rose to heaven in a cloud as their enemies watched, protected from anything further. At the same time, there was a terrible earthquake that destroyed a tenth of the city. 7,000 people died in that earthquake and everyone else was terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. And you remember when Jesus was crucified, there was an earthquake in the city. The second terror is passed, but look, the third terror is coming quickly. And now we come back to the story again. The trumpet judgments are finishing up in order to prepare the earth for the return of Jesus Christ and the establishing of his kingdom. Verse 15 says, then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. So this is the seventh trumpet. And there were loud voices shouting in heaven. What are they shouting? The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And he shall reign forever and ever. And he... And the 24 elders sitting on their thrones before God... Fell with their faces to the ground and worshiped him. And they said, We give thanks to you, Lord God, the Almighty, the one who is and who always was. For now you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were filled with wrath, but now the time of your wrath has come. It is time to judge the dead. And reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people and all who fear your name from the least to the greatest. It is time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. And then in heaven, the temple of God was opened and the ark of his covenant could be seen inside the temple. Lightning flashed, thunder crashed and roared and there was an earthquake and a terrible hailstorm. Jump back, Indiana Jones. And and this is not Hollywood. This is not fake. This is real. This is what's coming. And Now as we go into chapter 12, we are digressing from the progression of the story again, which will be taken up when we come to the seven vials of judgment that will be poured out. So... Now we're taking a broader view of some other scenes. In chapter 12, verse 1 says, Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. And I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. And she was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. The identity of the woman is found in Genesis as we read of the dream of Joseph. How the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to him and so the same figure here. We have the identity of the woman as the nation of Israel. Those 12 tribes that, that came out of Jacob. And you see the purposes of God for the nation of Israel was that they were to bring the Messiah into the world. He was to be of the seed of Abraham and of the seed of David. And so God was working with this nation, preparing them as the instrument, the nation by which his son would come into the world. And God chose the nation of Israel, and that's why they're the chosen people. Chosen for what? Chosen to be the instrument, the people through which God would bring his son into the world. And so God chose this nation to bring forth the Messiah. And the enemy has been trying to annihilate the Jewish nation and the Messiah from the beginning. Verse 3, Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his head. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. So you got the two wonders, the the woman Israel, ready to bring forth the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and you've got Satan ready to destroy him as soon as he was born. Remember Herod, when when the wise men came to him and they, they said, where's this king who was born, king of the Jews, right? And so... When they didn't come back and tell him where he was, he ordered all the babies, to and under, to be, be killed. The enemy likes to do that. He likes to kill babies. He's always trying to take out those chosen by God. And, and we know that Satan was a beautiful, created angel, probably one of the archangels, until he rebelled. Somebody say rebellion. Rebellion, the Bible says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And you find the correlation, and I I, I always said this to teenagers when I was a youth pastor, when you rebel, you're aligning yourself with Satan. When you rebel against authority, when you rebel against your parents, when you rebel against those who God has placed in authority over you, you find yourself aligning with Satan. Because that's his spirit. His spirit is a rebellious spirit. Go ahead and nudge your neighbor and say, that's good. Quit rebelling. Get under authority. Ezekiel twenty-eight seventeen says, your heart became proud on account of your beauty. and You corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. You thought he was all that and a bag of chips. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. Revelation 12, verse 5, she gave birth to a son. We know that that is Jesus Christ who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to take care of her for 1,260 days. Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. The access to heaven that God has allowed Satan to have will soon be over. You remember in Job, Job chapter 1, verse 6, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them The Lord said to Satan, where do you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land, but now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And you know the story of Job and how his whole world fell apart. His natural world, fell apart. And Job ended up saying, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Scripture tells us that Job did not sin in what he said. Satan has access only because God allows him access. And anything that comes to you from the enemy has already passed through the hand of God. We said this to our adopted daughter many years ago when she lost twin boys. Apparently, God trusts you enough with this moment Because the future is in his hands as well. And he knows you can handle what's come your way. And as you align yourself with God and let him lead and guide you through your turmoil and mess, God has big things in store in the days to come. And so we find... uh, There's coming a day when this access to heaven will be over. Revelation 12, verse 9, this great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. And then I heard a loud voice shouting, a loud voice shouting across the heavens, it has come at last, salvation and power, And the kingdom of our God. And the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And that's what he's doing today. He's accusing you before God. look Look at him. Look, 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 look at him. Waste of breath. In verse 11, he accuses them before our God day and night, and they have defeated him. How? By the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. By the blood of the Lamb, that's how you defeat the enemy. And by your testimony, the test that you've been through and God has brought you through gives you a testimony. And I always said, don't get the monies when you're going through the test. Okay? Because if you come through the test without the monies, you'll have a testimony. Okay. Just a thought. Because sometimes we get so down in the middle of our test that we forget God is still in control. God is still in charge. God has still got me in the palm of his hand. God still loves me. God's got big days ahead for me. And we miss out. They overcame him. They defeated him by the blood of the lamb, by receiving the, the sacrifice of Jesus, by their testimony and they didn't love their lives to death. Go ahead, take me out. I don't care. Because I love Jesus more than I love this life. Y'all are quiet today. Amen. Amen. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens, rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. When the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But she was given two wings like those of a great eagle so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, times, and half a time, three and a half years again. Then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water that flowed from his mouth. But the earth helped her by opening its mouth, swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children All who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. See, God's always got protection for us. He's watching out for us. Hallelujah. Then the dragon took his stand on the shore beside the sea. Let me just toss this out here. Satan is not omnipotent. He's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He doesn't have the ability that God has. He is a created, angelic being that rebelled against God. Is he powerful? Sure. But he's not mighty. He has ability. He's, he's a little trickier than us. But we have the spirit of the living God. And Paul told the, uh, the church, he said, you, you have the mind of Christ. Christ. So use it. Use it. Isaiah 14 gives us a description of him. How, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. (laughs) But you're brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you stare at you. They ponder your fate because there's a fate coming. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble, the man who made the world a wilderness, who overthrew its cities and who would not let his captives go home? Really? That's him? It's like you pull the curtain back. You're like, dude, really? Seriously? That's it? That's all you got? That's who you are? You'll be exposed one of these days because he's an imposter. He's a fake. He's a counterfeiter. Revelation 13, Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea and had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns. Written on each head were names that blasphemed God. Seven heads were seven mountains. Ten horns were ten kings, according to Daniel's prophecy. And ten, the ten nation federation of uh, kingdoms, ten kingdoms that came together, that are coming together in, in days to come. This beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear, the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. And I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. And the whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. And they worshiped the dragon for giving the beast such power. And they also worshiped the beast. Who's as great as the beast, they exclaimed. Who's able to fight against him? And then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. And he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months, for three and a half years. Notice, allowed, given. He's not in charge. He's just allowed to do things for a time. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. That's that's why you, you can't be too tied to this world, folks. This world is not our home. They're the ones whose names were not written in the book of life. You've heard about the Lamb's book of life, the book of life that belongs to the Lamb, who was slaughtered before the world was made. People say, well, when Adam fell, then God said, oh, I've got to get a plan together. No, before he ever made the world, he knew the plan because he's God, because he's omniscient, because he's all knowing, because he he understands, he saw the beginning, and he knows the end. Nothing's going to surprise him. I'll just say it again. Sometimes we get all mixed up in our brain thinking, oh, oh, God's not in control. He's, ah, hurry, Lord, get on your throne. Do something. He's like, I got it covered. I already know what's coming. I already know what the end is. I know how many people are going to be in heaven because I'm already there. Because I already am at the end of time. I already... And into eternity because he's above time and eternity. He's greater than all of that. And all we can see is this little slice. And we get so bogged down with this little slice of time. And, and the lamb was slain before the world was made. say, so how? You can't figure it out. You're not God. Sorry. It'll mess your brain up. But if you just understand that he is God. He had a plan before he ever created the world. And you have a choice. Whether to love him or serve him or not. I highly recommend doing that, by the way. Because you don't want to be a part of what's coming. All right. Where am I at? Thank you. Verse, verse 8, the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They're the ones whose names were not written in the book of life. That belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. And then John says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who's destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone who's destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. And I'll just say this again Satan always disguises himself as an angel of light. False prophets never look like false prophets, Satan never looks like the devil. He ain't got the horns. He ain't got the pitchfork. He, not, he ain't got the red suit on. He, he, he's always disguised. And and you say to yourself, that can't be Satan. He's so charming and suave and soothing words to my flesh, and it feels good. And boy, and he had the horns like those of a lamb. And verse twelve says he exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required. All the earth and its people to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to the earth from the sky while everyone was watching. Again, a duplication of the two witnesses, right, that we just read about earlier. Satan's not all that creative. He's a good counterfeit. Remember Pharaoh and Moses Pharaoh called his magicians in and said, Hey, can you do this? And they're, well, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And they duplicated some of the stuff they didn't do as well. It always wasn't as good as what God did. He's always a counterfeit. In fact, 2 Thessalonians chapter two says this man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power. Signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they'll believe these lies and then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. Listen, if you just open your heart to God and and decide to love him and accept the truth, you can be saved from all this mess. Revelation 13, verse 14, with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast. He is allowed to. Come on, you got to get this. He deceived all the people who belonged to this world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. He was then permitted to give life to this statue so that it could speak. Imagine this, the statue coming to life. This is stuff science fiction movies are made of. but This isn't science fiction. This is what's coming in the days to come. And the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. Kind of reminds me of Nebuchadnezzar and his little gold statue. Big gold statue, actually. And the three Hebrew children said, we're not going to bow. We serve a higher God than this. We serve a living God. And what did God do? Oh, he saved them from the fire. That's right. It's what he does. Verse 16, he required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it's the number of a man is number 666. And you've heard so much about the Mark of the Beast. There was a time when when people would say, that doesn't even make any sense. How could you not sell or buy without a mark? I mean, what would we do with a cashless society? That didn't make sense. Several years ago. But today... It makes total sense. In fact, with all the fraud and the thievery in the banking system, and everybody, you know, getting your account and getting hacked, and, and I mean, just how many have ever been, have, had your information hacked? Yeah, drop, drop. That was the drop the mic deal, right? Yeah, absolutely. What a pain. And then there will come this system that will just make sense to everybody. Just a mark. We don't know, it could be an implant. We got that technology now. We're putting stuff in, in pets, and some companies require that now to get in access to your stuff. Right? And all of a sudden, that which seemed to be so far off in fiction and just like a a wild story is within grasp today. Not 10 years from now. Capabilities are there today. And if you don't have the mark, if you don't swear allegiance to the beast, You're toast. You can't buy. You can't sell. You're out. And I'll say it again. You don't want to be here for that. Come on. And you don't want anybody you love to be here for that. Prophet Daniel saw an end-time vision with much the same scenario concerning this Antichrist. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 15, I close with this. I, Daniel, was troubled by all I had seen. And my visions terrified me. So I approached one of those standing beside the throne and asked him what it all meant. He explained it to me like this. These four huge beasts represent four kingdoms that will arise from the earth. But in the end, and I love this, verse 18, but in the end, the holy people of the Most High will be given the kingdom and they will rule forever and ever. Okay. Then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, the one so different from the other, so terrifying, it had devoured and crushed its victims with iron teeth and bronze claws, trampling their remains beneath its feet. And I also asked about the 10 horns on the fourth beast's head and the little horn that came up afterward destroyed three of the other horns. This horn had seemed greater than the others and it had human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. And as I watched, this horn was waging war against God's holy people and was defeating them until the ancient one, the most high, came and judged in favor of his holy people. said, that's enough. Then the time arrived for the holy people to take over the kingdom. Then he said to me, this fourth beast is the fourth world power that will rule the earth. It'll be different from all the others. It will devour the whole world, trampling and crushing everything in its path. It's ten horns are ten kings who will rule that empire. Then another king will arise, different from the other ten, who will subdue three of them. He will defy the Most High, and oppress the holy people of the Most High. He will try to change their sacred festivals and laws, and they will be placed under his control for a time, times, and half a time. That's three and a half years. But then the court will pass judgment, and all his power will be taken away and completely destroyed. And then the sovereignty, power, power And greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be given to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will last forever and all rulers will serve and obey him. And it's very clear where you want to be in these end time days. And that's a part of the family of God. Stand with me, please. Lord, we invite your presence in this place once again, thanking you for all you've done. Lord, I thank you for your word. Your word is truth, your word stands. Lord, I thank you that those who have heard your word today have the ability to choose. to either follow you and be a part of your kingdom, or they have a choice to walk away and be deceived. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to come right now and speak to our hearts today. Draw people to Jesus thank you, Lord, that we still have time. We're still breathing. We still have life. We have the ability to choose Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Lord, I thank you for that today. Awesome God. Church, would you just lift your hands and begin to praise Him right now? Because He's on the throne, He's ruling and reigning supreme, He's working all things together for your good. There are miracles in progress right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, you, Jesus. Awesome, God. Awesome, God, we praise you in this house today. We bless you in this house today. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy is your name. Holy is your name. Holy is your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.